Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite football podcast. I'm Pat. Alongside me is James. Raceland is um, not going to be with us on Tuesdays anymore. He's got softball now, and we were trying to come up with a, a thing to keep him involved. So he's just going to be on Thursday's episodes. So uh, we're going to miss him today and the rest of the Tuesdays, that's for sure, because I... Uh, I enjoy getting on Mr. Grump for his uh, grumpiness, but uh, for now, with me and James, we're going to basically do a recap of the weekend and the draft, and pretty much highlight some stuff that we liked, stuff that we didn't like, surprises, um, and uh, overall thoughts on uh, this weekend. So I want to get started with James. Um, what's one thing? that you absolutely loved about the draft this weekend? Um, the unpredictability of it. Um, you know, I think going in, I mean, we talked to the, about the first round in, at length um, Friday's episode. Um, but, you know, going into the first round, it was kind of like we all thought the first five to ten picks were going to be the just as, you know, the MO, right? Like the, what we all thought it was going to be, you know, Lawrence, Wilson, Mac Jones, down the pecking order, Panay Sewell going to Cincinnati. Um, but within the first hour of the draft, all that was pretty much out the window because obviously we know that the 49ers picked Trey Lance. The Bengals did not pick Sewell. They picked um, Jamar Chase. Um, and you could almost say the same thing for the second round. I mean, look at Jeremiah Owusu Koromora. I mean, the way he fell down to the Browns. I mean, no one thought he was going to fall that far into the second round. And there were some you know, mock drafts guys that didn't even think he was gonna make it out of the first round. Um, but I guess I read something today that the later in the um, as the draft um, scouting went involved, got involved, um, they found out he had a heart condition or something along those lines. Um, I forget what the source was, but I did see that at lunch today, um, and that makes sense. I mean, it's it's kind of like the reason Caleb Farley fell, although although his was a back injury. Um, but I think he's still going to be a good player. I mean, who would have thought Elijah Moore would have – I mean, he was a bubble guy for second rounder, but Elijah Moore going to the Jets, I love that for the Jets. It gives Zach Wilson a weapon. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there was just a lot of surprises that people that fell into the second round um, that really was just made the draft exciting. But I guess that's the that's the M.O. of the draft. That's how it always is. Very true. Very, very true. Um one person uh, in particular kind of surprised me falling into the uh, second round. Uh, Trevon Morig. Uh, he went to the Raiders in the second round at the 43rd pick. Um, I had him going in the first to Jacksonville, and I know you probably did as well. I know Grayson. I think Grayson did as well in his mock draft. Yeah, we all three did, and, and honestly, as a Jaguar fan, I mean, it was kind of surprising that we didn't take him there. Um, but, you know, obviously we got Travis Etienne, and look, I mean, it is what it is. Um, Trayvon Morgan going to the Las Vegas Raiders, almost at Oakland, um, that's a great addition to their secondary. They need that. They need to build their defense up. Um, and quite frankly, you know, it's just – and especially when you see guys go in front of Morig. Um, like Richie Grant from UCF. I mean, I had him as a late second, early third, third rounder, and he ended up being picked at the 40th pick and the and eighth overall in the second. Um, just some really surprising move ups and move downs. I mean, Rondale Moore, I mean, you had a guy's, you've seen him in a lot of first round in the mock drafts. He falls to the Car uh, Arizona Cardinals there at 49. I mean, it was just crazy. I mean, Ojolari falling to 50. I mean, there's just some names you're like, man, we, we've been seeing these guys projected possibly in the first round, and they fall to the mid to even late second round. Um, but that's and that's the thing, right? I mean, it's unpredictability. And, you know, it's it's like Christmas morning. I always use that comparison when it comes to the draft. You know, it's like when you're a kid, you got the Toys R Us magazine. You're circling the things you want from your parents, and you always circle that one thing that you don't think you're going to get because, you know, Maybe it's too expensive. Maybe it's just they don't think you need it. You know, the old cliche parent thing, you know. Oh, but yeah. then you end up getting it. It's like that big gift on Christmas. You're up, jumping up and down, you know. Kind of like Browns fans <laughs> this weekend when Cora Mora fell down to them in the second round. 
Um, they had it circled on their Toys R Us magazine, but uh, they never thought they were going to get that. Um, that's a big pickup for the Browns. It is. It is. And uh, speaking of Wusu uh, Kormoa, I, uh, <laughs> on a recent episode of Your Favorite Football Podcast, I made a bet with James and Raceland that if the Browns do indeed get Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa, that I would do the Blazing Challenge at Buffalo Wild Wings. And the first round goes by, and, you know, I, I'm safe. They didn't draft him in the first round. I thought I was home free. Uh, second round comes. They trade up, and I look over at Rayson, and I I remember the words that I said. You weren't there. You were inside. And uh, I remember the words that I said to him was, I'm going to have to do that challenge, aren't I? He's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're going to have to do the challenge. And it came true. They did draft Owusu Kormoa, and uh, it was worth it. It was worth the pain, all the pain of uh, 10 Carolina Reaper hot wings. It was, it was it was very hot, but very well worth it. Um, would not recommend. I mean, we're going to have to post that video on um, on our Facebook page. Um, yeah, I will. I will. And, and of course, you know the, the the type of friend I am. I'm there making it worse, um, you know. But that's how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to have the friend that makes it worse as you're doing the challenge. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. I didn't think we were going to end up doing the challenge. I thought. I mean, as soon as the first round went away, I thought, okay, someone's going to take them there in the first in the early second round. Um, but I was wrong. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, another thing that kind of surprised me a little, little bit was uh, going 55th, uh, 23rd in the second round, technically speaking, uh, to Pittsburgh. I thought he'd go a lot quicker than what he did. So, I mean, obviously, Pat Fryermuth is the guy you're talking about. Um, and... Look, I mean, if you look at a lot of the mock drafts, they, they had him going to Jacksonville with the 33rd or even the 45th. Um, obviously, Jacksonville told, went two totally different uh, different directions when it comes to that. Um, look, I mean, if you look at the teams that picked after that, they really didn't need tight end or they weren't desperate enough to pick them there. I mean, if you look at, you know, let's say after the 45th, the Bengals, they – they really don't they, – they need a tight end, but they just got their, their big guy in Jamar Chase, so they kind of rebuttaled themselves, picking off as a tackle from Clemson. Then Chargers got Asante Samuel. San Francisco got George Kittle. Ron, Arizona, they have their tight end. New York, they have their tight end. Washington, I think they had their tight end, but I think it's yet to be seen. Um, Cleveland obviously has two of them. Tennessee has their – Three, but you have two guys that are definite playmakers. Oh, um, sure. Who's the Chargers tight end? Do we know? Let's see. I know it's not um, Hunter Henry no more. Um, no, he went with the Patriots. Did they draft someone later on? They might have. Let's see. I'm trying to yeah, find. I don't remember. I don't remember seeing them draft a tight end though, unless I'm completely blanking. Let's see. I would have thought that's something they would have tackled, at least in the fourth or fifth round, maybe. Because, like you said, not very many teams needed a tight end after the 45th pick. And, and, you're, and you're correct. But I'm just I'm kind of confused as to why Jacksonville didn't take him, considering that is one of the many needs that you uh, – needed to address in the draft. But rumor has it that uh, Tim Tebow could be a tight end for you. Well, so I think Jacksonville, the reason we didn't pick a tight end is really because of the fact that um, they went um, with with um, the corner from Georgia, Campbell, um, at 33, which everyone – look – in Jacksonville world, it's kind of crazy right now because we don't know where he's going to go. Um, he could – I mean, obviously, we all know he's – at the very minimum, he's going to be the inside slot guy. 
um, replacing Trey Herndon on the inside, which is a definite upgrade for us. Um, but then there's also conversations that maybe they moved C.J. Henderson inside and put Campbell on the outside. We don't know. And, and either way, it's going to be a win. Um, but it kind of stinks if you look at it because C.J. Henderson had that one really good game against Indianapolis week one and obviously kind of um, regressed as the season went along. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out in the, po- in the uh, preseason and um, leading up to week one. Um, but then you look at Walker Little, who's the offensive tackle they drafted at 45. Um, he was hurt. He got injured in 2019. But he started all, I think he believes he started all in 2018 for Stanford. And then he opted out for because of COVID. So really, he's healthy. What we, we presume he's healthy now. Um, and look, I mean, look at his size. He's six, seven, almost three. He's just over 300 pounds. I think it's like 315 or something odd like that. That is a bona fide, that's a big dude on the outside. Kind of reminds you, reminds you a lot of what Mackay Becton was last year for the Jets. That was one of his biggest upsides was how big he was and how quick he was. This is kind of the same with Walker Little. I don't, a little, I don't know how big he is. Uh, I mean, I know how big he is. I don't know how fast he is. I haven't watched, I mean, obviously it's been two years since he's played it down. Um, but it's going to be interesting right. to see that. I mean, Jaguar fans think he can push Cam Robinson and even probably beat him out. I mean, it's entirely possible. It just really, it's unfortunate that he got injured. And it's also unfortunate with, you know, with COVID people opting out. You don't really know what you're going to get the following year because of that year off. But um, I don't think he'll have anything to worry about with him, though. I think he'll be fine. Like you said, he's a little bit over 300. He's got the build for it. So I think you're pretty well set. But, um, where do you think um, – I'm sorry, I'm drawing a blank now. Where do you think um, – I just had it. I just lost it. I just had it, and I just lost it. <laughs> refreshed on me and I had it and now it's gone so we're going to have to come back to that one later on but um, I'm trying to trying to wrap my mind around uh, Aziz Ojulari for uh, New York Giants they took him at uh, 50 overall, or 18 in the second round. Uh, again, I had him going a little bit sooner than that, maybe even first round, depending on how bad someone needed a uh, linebacker. So I think I was kind of surprised by that as well, um, that he fell outside of the first round, and especially to the New York Giants there. Um, but I think – um, as I did more research on some of these guys and kind of preparing for this, um, if you look on ESPN, they have like the draft cast where they kind of talks about every draft pick and post draft analysis. And, um, what Jordan Renan has here for Aziz Ojulari, um, in this post draft analysis, he talks about how some teams were kind of scared away from him because of a, uh, arthritis that exists in a, in a high school, uh, in his knee due to an injury in high school. Um, but, you know, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and you know, you know how it is when with these teams. If they find something something little like that, um, it could cause a slide oh, yeah. for a certain player. Um, but this is going to be. I think. What's that? I, I just said definitely because look at Owusu Koromoa with his uh, heart issue that got brought up during uh, uh, all the pre stuff that they do. Um, that they were saying that that's why he fell back, like you were just saying a little a little while ago. But um, yeah, it's uh it's an unfortunate thing to where the littlest thing will make a team kind of look at you like mm, maybe we don't want to make that risk, and, and even for something like arthritis in the knee, just because of uh, uh, an injury in high school, which is unfortunate, but um. 
Yeah, still kind of shocked as to how he fell so far. Yeah, and, you know, it really just shows, like, how unpredictable the draft is. I mean, I know I keep saying that, but that's technically, I mean, really, if you look at it, that's how it is. But another thing that I walked away from, and I said it um, for the first round, I don't know if I said it on air on the Friday episode or not, but I know I said it to you and Raceland as we were watching Friday, uh, Thursday night. And opting out, for those who opted out, it made a difference. Um, I think the only yeah. player it didn't affect was Jamar Chase. Um, other than that, it affected everybody else. I mean, if you look at um, Panay Sewell, I think, I don't know if it didn't affect him that much, but I think it did affect him in somewhat. Um, so you looked at Panay Sewell, you look at, you know, just a various number of guys. Gregory Rosu fell out of the top 25. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, I think if you looked at the people that did opt out, it made a difference in the draft stock. At least that's what I saw unfold Thursday night. Well, definitely. It, you know, it's an unfortunate thing with COVID because you take the year off because, you know, you want to really stay. I understand that. And I wholeheartedly support your decision. But you have to you have to acknowledge the risk of your draft stock falling because of the fact that they don't know what they're getting. You can go from one year being great to the next not so good. I mean, I've seen a plethora of people that has um, succumbed to that. Sean Wade, for example, last year, he would have been a first-round pick. This year? No, I don't think. Did he get drafted? Sean Wade, let's see, from Ohio State? Yeah. Yeah. Looking it up. Okay. Because you know, I just I know he played last year. I just want to make a comparison of you don't know. So Sean Wade at. actually is going back to school. He um, hold on. Okay, no. So I'm trying to look. That was an old article. Hold on. Yeah, he was drafted by the okay. Baltimore Ravens. Uh, what round? Um, I believe fifth. See, yeah, he was a potential first rounder, maybe even early second rounder last year. But he came back for his, I think, senior year. I don't think he was a redshirt. I think he came back for a senior year and just lost it. I mean, he just wasn't the same person. So you don't know what players you're going to get in that one year span. So the fact that they took time off, you don't know if they kept up with working out. Uh, practicing, training, you don't know. I'm sure most of them probably have just to be prepared. But it, like you said, it's, it's very unpredictable of what you're going to get in this situation. So, Yeah, and I think with Sean Wade, too, I mean, I think he was in the wrong position. I don't think he's going to be a outside corner in the NFL. I think he could be a successful inside guy, like a nickel corner. But he's not going to be a successful one-on-one main guy on the outside. Um, right. That's just not who he is. Right. Um, okay. What is one big disappointment for you then? Hmm. So I guess it, dep- it depends on how you define disappointment. Okay. Um, um, so, what is one pick that you absolutely, absolutely disagree with wholeheartedly in the first one to two rounds? So, one to two rounds, I would have to probably go... Probably Pete Warner from Ohio State going to New Orleans. Um, I, he was selected at 61, his overall ranking was 99, um, and quite frankly, I mean, he did not have a very good game against Alabama in the national championship game, um, and I, I don't know, I think that one stands out to me the most, because that's, when you're going against Alabama, you're going against other pro talent, um, I know in the Big Ten throughout the year, he had six tackles per game with a sack, 
and two forced fumbles, which if you look at that statistically, you're like, oh, wow. But again, I, I hate to do this to the Big Ten, but also they're not going against the most effective offenses. I mean, you're talking about Northwestern, who's typically not an offensive team. Indiana, which, okay, Indiana was pretty good this year. Um, scored a lot of points against Ohio State. But so, I mean, I guess when I look at the – and I guess this is the last time we saw him, and it, it kind of stays more in your mind, but that Ohio State-Alabama game this year was not very good. But I think you could have got him in the third round. I mean, I don't I don't like him there in the second. Um, yeah. And I guess in the in the first round, um, it would have to be the uh, – let me go look at his name. It's the tackle that – the Alex Leatherwood, Alabama, the um, tackle that the Raiders drafted. Yeah, that's he's not a first rounder. He they reached. No. Um, oh yeah. And that might be the worst pick in the first three rounds. I mean, and that's not exaggerating. Um, but yeah, the people you could have had Tevin Jenkins close. there. Yeah, you could have. I definitely agree with the Leatherwood one. That was one that I was going to bring up as well. He wouldn't have, but I knew better. I knew I knew you were going to, but um, yeah, they definitely reached for that one. I mean, let's be honest. You could have got him mid-second, maybe a little bit even later on. But um, another one I want to bring up as well was Peyton Turner for uh, New Orleans at 28 in the first round. Um, considering that Gregory Rousseau is still on the board, no. No, that is that's a bad pick. That is a bad, bad pick right there for them. I understand that they need it, but you could have done better. I mean, let's let's face it, you could have done better. Um, again, this is what I said. I think on the 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 Friday after podcast, um, I agree with you. They could have done better there. However. I think one thing you look at is the size. He's 6'6", 268. Um, he, he could be, he's more of a project there at the first round. They already have their premier guy in Cameron Jordan. He doesn't have to step in and be their premier rusher. Um, so I think if, as a developmental piece, you love what he brings to the table. But I also agree with you is he's not a first rounder. And, and quite frankly, he might not even be a second rounder. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this this article on ESPN has him ranked 73rd overall and ninth in his position. I mean, so ninth yeah. in your position, you got drafted in the first round. Um, and look, let's be quite frank here. Um, the New Orleans Saints right now are, are kind of in a despair. They lost their Hall of Famer quarterback. They don't know who their quarterback's going to be. We all know it's going to be either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. Um, your salary cap is pitiful, um, and you know your window is possibly closed. Um, and and look, I mean, everyone's like, well, maybe they trade for Aaron Rodgers. Well, okay, welcome to fantasy land because they don't have the the salary cap. If they got Aaron Rodgers, then you would lose Michael Thomas and a couple other key pieces. And what's the point? Um, yeah. so. I think this is more of a developmental piece. Like, hey, we can get this guy, this guy cheap. Let's see if we can develop him into a steal. But I, I agree with you. I don't like that pick. Right, and I get the whole point of, well, it's a project. You can develop him, see where it goes from there. But the same could be said for Gregory Rousseau. Um, what do you mean by Gregory Rousseau? I don't think Rousseau's a project. I think. No, no, no. No, no, no. What I meant to say was you could get Rosu and not have to worry about it as much because, I mean, you and I both agree here that Rosu is better than Peyton Turner. No offense to Turner, but it is what it is. Rosu is a, a little bit better. Uh, wouldn't you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with that whatsoever. Um, and Rosu has a 6'7", about the same weight. I think he was 6'7", 267 or something like that. Um, yeah. but I think with Rosu is we know what he can do. We've seen the film. Um, yeah, there's some things he can improve on, but I mean, look at the, the, the draft package. I mean, I remember in the first round, we we're watching the draft and Rosu got picked by Buffalo and they started showing all these highlight films. I remember you were like, we could have had this guy, but we didn't, we got Newsom. And, yeah. and that's the reality of it. I think now you came around on the Newsom pick, but 
at that time. I mean, you look what Rosu has done on the field, and you imagine what that could have been with him and Miles Garrett on opposite sides. It kind of does make you wonder. Well, that's what I was telling you that night as well. I was like, man, I just I, – I like the Newsom pick now. Don't get me wrong, I do. But having a having Rose Sue on the other side of Miles Garrett, like you said, is just – oh, man, I couldn't even imagine the beauty. But, um, yeah, I, I'm glad that you agree with me there that uh, he definitely should have went over Peyton Turner and all aspects of that. Yeah, and I'm, I mean, I've been saying on this podcast that I thought Gregory Rosu was going to be better than Jordan Phillips in the draft. I mean, in the, yeah. when we look back on it. Now, I love both of the guys. They're both from the University of Miami, who I'm a big fan of. Um, but I just love Rosu's size. I love it. And I, I've seen him play. And if he would have came back for another year, again, this is like we said earlier, it's the opt-out. If he would have came back and played at that level, he probably would have been his top 15, top 10 pick not sitting there at 30 for Buffalo. So do you think he should have went back for his uh, opt-out year? Yeah. I mean, I've been, I said that before the season even started. I think he should have went back. Um, He had a really, really good 2019. Um, So I just think if he would have been, even going into this year, if he would have been able to replicate that, you would have solidified yourself as a, as a top 15 instead of letting yourself slide. Now, obviously he was, he had, you know, COVID concerns with the COVID situation. Um, And again, it's kind of hard to fault the guys that didn't play. Like I'm not faulting him whatsoever. Um, He, and plus he had a really good year for Miami. He produced a lot of good memories for us as fans. Um, But then you look at the guy like Jordan Phillips, who, I, I'm trying to compare apples to apples because same university decisions. Um, Jordan Phillips, I mean, he didn't play in 2019. He came over from UCLA um, and, quite frankly, turned his football career around in 2020 and made himself a first-rounder. If, going, if he would have been in last year's draft, you'd probably be looking at a fourth, fifth, or even sixth-rounder potentially, I think. But – after the year he had in 2020, showing what he can do on the field and actually as a person, as a, as everything, he's a great dude, great player, and very humble guy. And he's got he's a first rounder now, top 25. So it does make a difference whether you play or not. Um, but what I've like seen Rosu play last year, absolutely. Oh sure, and like you said, you can't really fault them for doing what they feel is best, which we're never going to do that. So. I absolutely agree with you, though, that he should return for his um, opt-out year, but obviously he's not going to, but um, just hope he makes it uh, in the NFL with no problems. Yeah, I'm looking looking through the rest of the draft here. Um, Kyle Trask... Number 64 for the Buccaneers in the second round. Um, I didn't think they'd take a quarterback so soon, especially with Tom Brady still there. I mean, they don't really – I mean, I suppose they could have him train uh, under Tom Brady, which, I mean, makes sense in a way, but I don't know. I, I feel like you could have maybe done that next year. You didn't have to waste a second rounder on that. But So one – Huh? When did Ian Book go to the Saints? Fourth round? Let's see. I'm actually on the fourth round on my uh, page here. It might have been more fifth rounder, honestly. Okay, I'm going to go to the fifth and see because I'm... Actually, that was fifth. So let's see. I'm genuinely curious as to when he went. Ian Book went in the fourth. I'm at pick 133. Okay, um, so I feel like they could have waited a little bit more and got something that they absolutely could have used immediately. Like, uh, I know they brought pretty much everything, everybody back, including the kitchen sink, but yeah, so the edge rusher. 
No, they got they got their edge rushers. I mean, they got um, Shaquille Barrett, they got Vontae David, they have Vita Vea, they got Indominus Sue. They their their defense is really good right now. Um, and and yes. and you and you mentioned a point that I think everyone forgets. Um, they brought everybody back, including like you said, the kitchen sink. So really, what they're doing is they have the tools to win now because obviously they proved that last year they they hoisted the Lombardi Trophy. Um, right. But then, look, you have Tom Brady. What better guy to learn under than Tom Brady? And Kyle Trask was really good last year for the University of Florida. He, he was. went toe-to-toe. He was the closest quarterback over J- uh, Justin Fields, anybody in the SEC, which included Kellen Mond. He was the closest guy to to go and beat Alabama. He led the Florida offense to score, I believe it was like, 52-45. Yeah. Now, that's impressive. And everyone's like, well, I don't think he'd be a good pro. He probably wouldn't be a good pro right now if he was thrown into the wolves. I, I, I agree with that. But three years under Tom Brady, remember, Tom Brady's going to be there for two to three more years at the minimum. So you mean to tell me in two to three years, well, you have him on the cheap to learn and learn the pro game, let him groom under Tom Brady and see if he can develop? That's not a bad risk. I mean, it's a high risk. It's a high risk, but could have high reward. Um, well, I get that. I get that, and I agree with you. But the reason I bring up an edge rusher is because Sue is only on the contract for one year, whereas you can get a quarterback in the third round, possibly even Trask. He's, he's I mean, he's probably going to still be there. Um, you could have focused on an edge rusher in the second round to train under Sue just in case Sue, whether he retires or just leaves or is going to cost too much money and is for some reason not there, you could have a backup plan. That way you don't have to worry about it. So I believe Sue plays the inside guy there because they run a 3-4 there in Tampa. Um, Isn't he the inside guy, really? Yeah, he's always been an inside guy. He's not really an edge rusher. But they moved him there. Let me look. Because I know they, I that, that. Let's see. I could be wrong. They may You're right. Be. You are right. They moved him there on the outside. Okay. Um, yeah, so according to the Buccaneers website, you have – and Dominus Sue on the outside, Vita Vea Via on the inside, William Golston on the other side. Your four backers are Pierre Paul, Devin White, Levante David, and Shaquille Barrett. Um, and I guess my answer would be, look, those guys, I mean, you have your, you have Dominus Sue for a year. You have, obviously, the four backers on their contract. Um, you had Devin White, which, you know, stepped up huge last year. Shaquille Barrett had his best year. I don't think they they need an edge rusher immediately. I think next year they go in the draft and they can get one. I think well, they, this not immediately, but like a project is what I'm trying to say. They could get someone like what the Saints are trying to do with Peyton Turner. So I guess, but I guess my question would be then, if you are picking a project, would you rather have the quarterback be a project and learn under the greatest of all time, or groom under? I have a project that really in one year they have to be thrown in the wolves no matter what. I think with quarterback being the most important position on the field, why let him groom for three years rather than the one, especially if you think he can be the next step. That's my opinion. If, you, if you're already in the mindset of we're, we have to groom someone, I think you almost always pick the quarterback. Well, sure, definitely. Definitely. I'm just thinking that maybe Trask falls into the third round because from what I'm looking at, I – I don't think there was a quarterback picked in the third round. Oh, yeah, there was. There was two. I'm sorry. Yeah, there were two. Um, Kellen Mond and David Mills from Stanford. So, yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. Cause yeah, and I think – they were running And I think Kyle Trask is going to be better than Mills. I think he's oh, going to be yeah. better than Mills. Um, I think Kellen Mond could be good. I think he, he – he shows the same type of attributes that Dak Prescott did. He can run, yeah. throw. He's kind of a bigger build. 
and look, Dak Prescott, I remember, was a fourth rounder. He wasn't, he wasn't, he so he's 6'3, 211. Um, I think, I don't know, I just have a feeling that in five years, Kellen Mond could be a good player. Now, will he start? I don't know if he'll start for Minnesota unless Kirk Cousins just really tumbles. But I'm really curious to see what happens with that. Right. And speaking of um, Kirk Cousins and the uh, Minnesota Vikings, did you see the rumor, or not rumor, the report, that uh, had Justin Fields fallen to the Vikings, they would have taken him? I don't know why everyone's so shocked about that. Um, Minnesota was not a very good football team last year. Not on, not all in Kirk Cousins. Um, but I think the Kirk Cousins experiment is rolling, is getting dull there in Minnesota. They, they, they haven't won a championship. They quite frankly haven't been the, the team that they hope to be under his leadership. And they haven't, he hasn't been the guy to, uh, the contract is worth. Um, so yeah, I, I, if he would have fell there, yes, they would have picked him. Um, Absolutely. I just, you got to look at it from Minnesota's point is as of right now, obviously the Aaron Rodgers thing can change, but you're, you're chasing that. And other than that, you have Detroit, who's an unknown. And then you have mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears, which poor Bears fans, they're in a yeah. messy mess right now because who knows who their quarterback's going to be. And quite frankly, is Matt Nagy the guy that even helped the Bears be a championship team? They made the playoffs last year, but that's because the NFC was kind of very – they weren't bad, but they were kind of average last year. I think the Bears were 8-8 eight and eight and got in. So yeah. it, it's it's that division, if you're the, if you're the uh, Vikings, you know it's in reach. You know it's in reach. But is that – do you have the quarterback – to get you there consistently, and I don't think they do as of right now. I don't. No, I don't think so either. Kirk Cousins' time is definitely overstayed his welcome in Minnesota, and I'm pretty sure all Minnesota fans would agree with me and you in saying that. Um, yeah, I just I don't think that Kirk Cousins survives the year. Honestly, I think they did this as a sort of um, what do I, how do I want to say this politely towards Kirk Cousins as a um, safety net, we'll call it, with Kellen Mond. Um, I think that's why they drafted him is because people are getting fed up with uh, not going anywhere, and who can blame them? Because you don't really give a re- rhyme or reason why the team is in this shape. You keep telling them that Kirk Cousins is the guy, and no, 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 he's not. At some point, you got to rip off the Band-Aid and be like, okay, Cousins, you're out. Mond, you're in. I think that happens this year. I think it does if um, Kirk Cousins, like you said, just doesn't play well. And I don't think think he will. And I don't think he will either, but I think – I think it has to – I think the whole team as a whole has to be better. I think I the defense last year was terrible. Um, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. I think Kirk Cousins has always been that unknown. Like you have really good Kirk Cousins, and then you have Monday Night Football Kirk Cousins, which just was abysmal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will be interesting to say, uh, to say the least. But so – so, Pat, as we wind down this episode, I know it's where we have a little bit of time left, but we have some other things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Let's go strictly to your team. Now, we all know that we know your thoughts on Greg Newsom. We know your thoughts on Jeremiah Wusu koromora Hey, are you proud of me? I can actually say his name now. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> so, like, my whole drive home from your place is on Sunday, I, I made it a goal. I was like, I'm going to be able to say his name by the time I get home. And um, I did. It took me 40 minutes, but I could say it now. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's not easy. It's not it, easy. It's not, but, you know, I finally got it. So, um, yeah. But let's stick to the Browns here for a second. Is there a guy that you guys have drafted 
that when you look at it on paper, you're like, this is going to be the guy we talk about being the steal for our draft in 2021. Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. Anthony Schwartz, wide receiver from Auburn. That guy can move. I mean, yeah. he was the fastest in this draft class. I mean, I don't think I could have been any happier with a wide receiver right there than Anthony Schwartz from Auburn. He's got the hands. He's got the feet. Uh, he can run around very, very well. Uh, I'm excited to see him play. I just hope with him he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Um, you have Odell and Jarvis, and then you have Higgins, and, and you got Donovan and Peoples-Jones. Now, I think he's going to beat out Donovan and Peoples-Jones. He has a chance to beat out Higgins, but I think he, I think you're right. I think he's going to be a great player for them, and it's just going to add another weapon for them. Um, especially, you know, let's say long term, they have to, you know, worry about cap space. So what if they get rid of Odell or Jarvis? Maybe it's not that big of a drop off if he really jumps out this year. Right. I hope it doesn't come to that. But like you said, I mean, it's, it's bound to happen because you can't possibly pay everybody what they want. Um, I don't think he'll get lost in the shuffle, though, because with Peoples-Jones, you're going to have him as kick returner because he does that very well. You're going to keep him there and possibly put him in the back burner of receiver underneath Schwartz. So you're probably going to have Odell, Jarvis. I'm I'm even going to put him over Higgins right now. I'm going to put Schwartz right there and then Higgins because Higgins, to me, can pull off the big play, but it's very off and on with him right now, but I'm hoping it's more on this year. But, um, yeah, with Anthony Schwartz, I definitely put him, like, third, honestly. Yeah. No, I agree with you there. I was just curious to see what you would, you, what you would think. Oh, yeah. All right, what about you? What, uh, what pick to you is uh, going to be the one that we talked about in a couple of years that you think. Um, so obviously that excludes Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, their first rounders. Yes. Um, yep. I think, you know, if you ask Jaguar fans, I think it's pretty common. You, you, you'll hear, hear this name, man, I could speak. Um, <laughs> and that's Jay Tufele, the D tackle from USC. I think, it's a guy that we believe he could start day one. Um, he's 6'2", 305, so he's a big guy in the middle, especially if, you, if you're if you going to go to that 3-4 scheme, which they, we all believe they're going to go. Um, we think that he can beat out Roy Robertson-Harris. We think he can beat out the other guys that are on the roster. Um, it's just, I think, at that round, the fourth round, to get a guy that could potentially be really good and quite honestly make the scheme change look really good um, that we already think it is. Um, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be – I'm curious to see what he does. And I think – I hope he pans out because we do need that interior D lineman because we just – especially since Tyson Alawalu, you know, kind of left um, us hanging high and dry. I don't know. I'm excited for about Jay Tufele, but I think also Walker Little um, – could also be in the mix there at 45. I mean, he's unknown, but we could also be talking about him as well. True. Yeah, you definitely got a steal with the uh, round four, uh, 106th pick with J2 Fele. I mean, he's six foot two, uh, I believe just over 300 pounds. Uh, I've watched him throughout his entire career at USC, and I've just been amazed at what he's been able to do. Um, yeah, you're definitely going to like that pick here in a couple of years for sure. But like you said, uh, Walker Little as well. Um, realistically, I mean, you got everything that you could have possibly wanted out of this draft in order to help you uh, come week one. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of weird because the whole Jaguar fan base right now is kind of iffy on the draft, I have a feeling. Um really? Based on the stuff I'm reading and all, man, I hate ads. Yeah, me too. Um, but no, I, I think because 
obviously we got Trevor Lawrence. Everyone's happy about that. But then when the, when the Jaguars drafted Travis Etienne, that whole thing got criticized and blown out of proportion. And then they went um, the corner corner from Georgia Campbell. I think we I, we needed a guy like that. I pretty much everyone's like, well, what about Henderson? Well, maybe what about Henderson? He, I don't, he he's going to be on the field. It's more about what what happens to Trey Herndon now. Um, and I don't think he's on the field right now as, as it stands. Um, and then you get Walker Little, who everyone's like, why we get him? He torn ACL, then COVID, and because look at the size and look what we have. If he doesn't pan out year one, we got Cam Robinson for a year, and we got Juwan Taylor. I mean, Juwan Taylor has to step up if he wants to make it in the NFL. Um, this is the step up year for Juwan Taylor. And then if you look at, um, obviously going to the uh, third round, um, Cisco, the, the safety from Syracuse. Okay, well, I still rather have him than Andrew Wingard, so give me that guy all we want. And he has wheels, and he has shown some really good flashes, so okay, I'm happy with that. Then fourth round, J2 Fele. I love that pick. Um, I think the only one that I'm kind of iffy on is the edge rusher we got from UAB. Um, I guess we need depth there. I mean, obviously we need depth there, but... Can he make it at this level? I guess that's the only one I'm like, mm, maybe. And then obviously Luke Farrell, um, the tight end from Ohio State. Race was trying to sell me on him. And my thing with tight ends is until I see it, I'm not sold. I mean, you're talking to a guy that has seen Josh Oliver, who never saw the field because of injury. James O'Shaughnessy, who I kind of like, but he's not a star tight end. And Julius Thomas, we paid big money to him free agency. He was just absolute awful. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we addressed things we needed, but we also addressed things for the future. Um, I think this was a good draft, but I hope it's a great draft once they actually get on the field. Right. I'm hoping to come back to this in a couple of years and actually do like a re-rank it sort of thing as our first ever uh, post-draft analysis. But um, hopefully it works out well for you in the, in the long run with all of them. But like you said, the um, the guy from UAB. I don't know. That's the only one kind of iffy on the but um, the the other one that I'm kind of iffy on with the Brown. Uh, it's a little bit later on, so I can't get too picky. It's round six, but it's a receiver, uh, Demetric Felton from UCLA. Uh, I kind of argued to say that we are full. Of receivers to where we didn't really need one right there, but like I said, it's a sixth round, so you can't really. I understand you do it for depth, but we we already had the depth, so maybe they put him on the back burner. I don't know. I just don't understand where he fits in. Yeah. But another one in the sixth round that just caught my eye because I kind of forgot about it for a minute was Sam Ellinger. From Texas, the quarterback who went to the Colts, he fell. <laughs> he fell hard. I don't think he fell. Going, well, at the beginning of the college football season, a lot of people had him going second round. And they just, I don't know, they just couldn't get it done this year at all. And I, did they fire their head coach? Uh, Yes. Because he was the offensive coordinator for no, he was a quarterback's coach for Ohio State. What was his name? What was his name? So I'm looking at um trying to find Sam Ellinger's stats here from last year. I think he had a pretty down year. I think that's why he fell. Um Oh he did, yeah. He definitely did. I never thought of him as a first or second rounder. I always thought maybe at worst a third, but he really fell. Like, yeah. I'm trying to find his uh, stats for the year, but finding college football stats is impossible. Yeah. So it's not really he had. Easy. So he had for the year he had a 60% completion rate. He had 26 touchdowns, five interceptions, with just over 2,500 yards. So, not bad stats, I guess. Um, no. I just, 
I don't know, just something doesn't do it for me when it comes to Sam Ellinger. Um, look, he's with the Colts now, so if Carson Wentz doesn't perform, maybe he can jump in. But I think he's mainly a backup. I'm sure, definitely. And I, I would agree with you there. Um, Tom Herman was the coach's name for Texas last year. Yeah, and he got fired. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And now they hired Steve Sarkisian. Good luck. That's all I'm going to say is good luck. I think he'll be fine there. I think he brings a different scheme. I think they're going to bring. He's going to bring a different looking Texas Longhorns team. And quite frankly, that fran- that not franchise, but that team that it's living in the shadows of what it used to be. They need to they need to spruce it up a bit. And I think Steve Sarkeesian is a guy that can do it. I mean, he just led Alabama to another national championship at the offense. Look at what Mac, Mac Jones became under Steve Sarkeesian. Um, if he can do that with Mac Jones. Then what? Maybe he can do it for the University of Texas. Whatever quarterbacks walks in their room. Um, look, I know he had a bad run at USC, but you know some people learn from their previous mistakes, and then it seems like he's learning from them. And maybe he can be a good coach this time around. I hope so. I don't have any bad wishes on the guy. It's just he did not do well at USC at all. I mean, he showed up to practice drunk most of the time. So I just. And the thing is, the decision that USC made after that was one of the worst on their end. Um, they could have had Ed Orgeron, um, Orgeron, but instead they decided to let him go and they hired Clay Helton. Look. Yeah, I know. I mean, that, and now look at Orgeron. I mean, he won a national championship and now who knows what Ed does. I mean, maybe he, I think the book's still out on him apparently. I know a lot of people are like, well, what if he isn't that good of a coach and that good of a recruiter? So, Time will tell, but Pat, one of the things that we kind of overlooked um, is that May 3rd was actually the fifth-year option pickup date. So if you were going to pick up your, if the team was going to pick up their respective fifth-year option on certain players, they had to do it by yesterday. Um, and obviously, the Browns picked up Baker Mayfield's. His was about 18.8 million. Not a surprise. Um, I think if he does well this year, they're going to give him a contract. If he doesn't, then who knows what's going to happen with Baker. Um, another one, uh, Saquon Barkley. His was picked up. Obviously, we all know Sam Darnold was traded to the Panthers, but they did pick up his fifth-year option. Um, Denzel Jackson. Ward picked Lamar Jackson's was picked up. Denzel Ward for the Browns. I, but I think Denzel Ward might be on the move if – if uh, Greg Newsom is the guy that we think he is, and if Denzel Ward doesn't step up. I agree. I absolutely agree. Um, um, Quentin Nelson, the guard from Indianapolis, obviously they picked his up. He's the best guard in football. Josh Allen, the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, picked up. Um, Josh Rosen, uh, already, I mean, I guess it seems like he's been in the league a lot longer, but his was obviously declined. It does, oh. it does doesn't it? <laughs> um, um, I'm looking at, um, trying to look at any surprising ones. There's really no surprises. I mean, well, the one that kind of surprised me was Lamar. I'm kind of shocked they didn't get a deal done, but apparently there's no, there's no agreement on a deal yet, so they had to settle with a fifth year option. So. Maybe they're not on the right terms of what he should be getting paid and what he feels he should be getting paid. So we'll have to see where that ends up by the end of the year. Well, I think with Lamar is, I mean, you're right. I think they, I don't, I don't know, I don't know the inside scoop, obviously, but they probably aren't close on a deal or they just picked up the fifth year option to have that safety net. Um, I just, so I think the fifth-year option is actually for next year. Um, I think that next year is actually their fifth year, right? Because Baker was 2018, so it would be 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. So you have technically two, you have a, two years from the day um, to, to figure that out. Um, but Lamar, I mean, if he doesn't win a – if he doesn't take your team to the AFC Championship game in two years or even has another playoff win, who knows? He only has one, and yeah. he can't finish dead ass last in passing. I'm sorry. I you, mean, you just can't. I think he's a great player. I think he's phenomenal, and I'm not going to be ignorant and say he's just a running back. But 
he does have to improve. Um, and I think the Ravens failed him in some aspects because they could have had a pretty good receiver there at 31. Not 31, but um, actually, yeah, 31 because they traded with the Chiefs. And they didn't get him any help on the offense. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I was kind of surprised that New England passed up on Sonny Michelle's fifth-year option. Um, he had a really good rookie year, then he kind of fell off. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, Taven Bryan for Jacksonville obviously got declined. Um, I don't even think he's making the final roster. I think he's getting cut. So, yeah. Just, man, what a bust. I mean, I hate saying that about the guy, but he, wow. It is what it is. I mean, sometimes you got to call it as you see it, and that's just what he is, unfortunately. It just didn't work out. Yeah, and it's just it's kind of a shame because I, we've drafted him in 2017, 28th, I believe. Um, I don't know. It was. It's just a former first rounder, not even getting another contract. I guess that's the norm in Jacksonville, but um, hopefully it changes with this year. Oh, it better change. And then, <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of fans are getting fed up. I saw an article somewhere. I don't know how true it is, but I guess uh, in the article, I, I, this ain't my article, obviously, but some source unknown. I don't remember the source. Sorry. Um, but they were talking about Shad Khan's and Trevor Lawrence's conversation on the phone. Yeah. And they were talking, and I guess the conversation somehow went, um, if you are as good as you have been and you keep doing it, you're going to be in Jacksonville for a while, which means I'm going to be in Jacksonville for a while. Um, <laughs> and that's the that's the mindset we have to have. I mean, we've had too many busts. I mean, I'm sorry. We had we had uh, Blaine Gabbert, Taven Bryan. I mean, just Justin Blackman. Just the list yeah, goes on and on and on. We gotta start keeping these guys. We gotta start producing. I mean, even Jalen Ramsey, he wasn't a bust, but he's not a Jaguar anymore. And that draft pick was only right. 2016. I mean, he was just unhappy with the way things were going there. And who could? I mean, I I see both sides. He faked an injury in order to get on a plan, but he wasn't really. I don't know. He wasn't really doing anything at Jacksonville, so I understand why he wanted out. But he did it the wrong way. Yeah, and, and quite honestly, I mean, the whole Jalen Ramsey thing, the whole thing started in Houston when he pretty much got in Doug Marone's face when he wouldn't challenge a play. Right. What I don't know what yeah, he wanted yeah. him to challenge. I mean, I really don't. Looking back on it, I don't know. I mean, what were you wanting to challenge? I mean, he didn't – what are you, you going to challenge there? Um, right. Just – I don't know. I – that thing's in the past, thank God. But, you know, it's going to be interesting. But, uh, Pat, t- we're running out of time here on this episode. Um, so I know Thursday we're going to bring a new thing in um, called Top Ten Thursdays. Um, however, I just looked at the schedule, and uh, next Thursday will not be a Top Ten because the NFL schedule gets released on Wednesday night of next week. So we'll have to take a dive into the schedule next Thursday. But, after that and starting Thursday, skipping next week for the schedule release, and then picking up there, we're going to do um, top 10 um, list on Thursdays. Um, and yeah. Do you want to enlighten the uh, audience of what we're going to be breaking down this Thursday on our first top 10 list? Yeah, so this Thursday, our first ever top 10 list is going to include our top 10 players of all time throughout any era. It can be this era. It can be the 2000s. It can be the 90s, whichever. Um, And these are all opinionated. So there may be pitchforks here and there, Um, especially if Jeff Hardy gets name dropped. So I guess my question is, um, this is who we think are the best players of all time, not who our favorite players of all time are. Yeah. Okay. What am I say in the text? Favorite or best? I think you said favorite. Really? Okay. Well, then, yeah. Favorite. We're going to do favorite first. Yeah, because a, a top ten of all time will be coming, I'm sure. Um, but to add a little bit of – because 
top of 10 of our favorite players. It's more of our time frame, um, players we've actually watched. So this Thursday is going to be top 10 favorite players that we watched, um, and who we, who our favorite players are. And then probably soon after that is when our top 10 of all time will be. Um, so that was going to include a lot of research, I think, um, to get a better grasp on a lot of things. But yeah, you know, Right now, we're kind of in a slow period of NFL. I mean, and college football even. I mean, college football, they have spring trainings already over. But we really don't have much to go off of right now in the college football world. Um, NFL, yeah, there's going to be news, I'm sure, breaking. But we're kind of in that sad part of we are past the draft, but OTAs and stuff are probably not even happening this year. They're all virtual. So really, between now and August, it's kind of that slow period and the uh, National Football League, um, except for next week, we get schedule release. Yep, we have the schedule release, and all we have to go on now is what happens with the Texans, if anything, and what happens with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. That is absolutely it. There is nothing newsworthy uh, of talking about right now. So now, we'll I've say been, uh, arena football's coming up. Um, it's true. So um, I'm not sure how we're going to do arena football coverage. Um, I know the league that we primarily watch is the National Arena League. Um, I'm a big Jacksonville Sharks fan um, for obvious reasons. Um, Pat does like the Sharks. He actually been to a Sharks game um, not too long ago. Um, so I'm not sure how we're going to cover that yet. Um, we might do a separate episodes per week um, and not really include it on the main episodes. Um, uh, we're going to have to elaborate on that. Um, breaking news. I do, I do have a, a road tripping interview happening this weekend. Um, so that will be happening Friday night, I believe. Um, so we will have hopefully fingers crossed a road tripping episode coming out this weekend. All righty. Sounds good. Um, what's their favorite team? Give them a little bit of uh, what they're going to expect. Yeah, so the the guy I'm interviewing, wow, talk, Jay. (laughs) So the guy that I'm interviewing for the um, road tripping episode this week um, is a good friend of Pat's and I's. Um, We went to high school with him, um, pretty good friend. Um, He's actually a Rams fan. Um, So it's kind of a – it's going to be an interesting interview. I'm I'm going to hit him with the hard-hitting questions like, are the Rams doing the right thing by not having draft picks for the next 10 years? Um, I'm going to ask him about the Jared Goff trade. I'm going to ask him, you know, just I'm going to try to hit him some hard-hitting questions, but allowing him to give him as his perspective as a fan to how he's feeling and, and just talk all things Rams from the past couple years and, in, and into this season. Um, so it should be a fun interview. We all, I mean, Pat, you know him. He's a very charismatic guy. Um, he's not, he's not going to hold anything back. Um, nope. It's so, gonna be a fun one. Yeah, it, it should be a really good, a fun episode. Um, so it, it should be fun. So I'm excited to do that interview. Um, I am in the works with another yeah. interview. Um, with a Cowboys fan this time around. Um, but that should be taking place within the next couple of weeks. So road tripping episode, the episode series is um starting to gain some steam. Um, as we move along here. Yeah. Yeah, going good. Going good. So, Pat, let's end the uh, podcast with some final thoughts. All right, final thought. My final thought for the week, well, I guess for the day because we still have Thursday. Um, I'm sad. There's going to be no news. <laughs> I, man, I like news. I like to talk about stuff. It's, I like top tens as well, but, man, now we're in that period, like you said, there's just uh, – there's nothing to really talk about, and that kind of makes me sad. But we're still going to be here talking about stuff. Yeah, we're still going to be here. And like you said, there is no news as of right now. Now, that obviously could change. But remember, I said this a while back on this show, and then you know how I like to use this analogy is. It's like Christmas. The draft is like – so like the Wednesday before the draft was like Christmas Eve. You open one gift, and that was the trade rumors, right? Then the Thursday, you have the the hype. The Thursday morning, you wake up early, you go running to the 
parents' bedroom. You wake them up so you can open the gifts under the tree. You start out with the stocking stuffers, which is like between 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock before the commissioner comes out to get booed. And then and then you watch, and then like when you have the first, like you know, for me this year, I got the first gift. But then like as you're watching other teams' gift, it's like watching your aunts and uncles and grandpa and grandma and mom and dad and sisters, brothers, opening their gifts before you get the chance to open a gift. But then we're now we're at the point is Christmas gifts are done. Christmas dinner is done. It's 6.30 at night. The the festivities are over, but you're still in Christmas. And you just don't know what to do now. You're just sitting there around with Santa Clauses all around you. Yeah, it's like the night after New Year's. You're kind of confused as to what to do next. Right. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a slow period in time, but... We're only hard to believe. We're only three months away from the preseason. I know it cannot come soon enough. Um, my final thought, because I don't know how much I'll get into it Thursday, but um, my final thought has something to do with the schedule release for next week. Please give Jacksonville a decent primetime game. Um, look, I mean the writing's on the wall. That Cincinnati Jacksonville game should be at minimum a Thursday nighter. But give them a Monday night game. If the New York Jets can have a Monday night game last year, the Jacksonville Jaguars can have a Monday night game this year. Um, That's true. Especially with the Bengals. Now, look, I know you listening are like, oh, man, such a pitiful game. Or, ooh, why would you want that? Um, the storylines are there. Urban Meyer comes to Jacksonville. Trevor Lawrence versus Joe Burrow. What else do you need? Now, I think that would be more of a Thursday night game between you and me. Um, oh, yeah. But it would be a good one. It would be a good one, but, you know, it's Jacksonville, so it would be a, new, a 1 o'clock game on a Sunday. Um, good point. But I'm just so – I think there's some natural storylines that, that Trevor Lawrence just causes naturally um, that they should utilize this year if you're the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And that's going to do it for this episode of your favorite football podcast. I'm James, and that was Pat. And we'll see you this Thursday for Top 10 Thursday.